Hey friends, we're excited to invite you to our third annual Spirit Forward Conference, September 18 through 20 in Douglasville, Georgia. The theme of the conference this year is the spirit of the Father. Uh, our last conference, we focused in more on personal testimonies, but this year the Lord has given us an indication that he wants to set the captive free in a powerful way. And Cowell Mill Church is the perfect place to do it. Uh, they have a special anointing on their house uh, to see those who have struggled with lifelong addictions become set free by the power of the Spirit. So if you want to learn more about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, if you want to see the gifts of the Spirit on display, or if you need a power encounter by the Lord, we want to invite you to join us at this year's conference. Check out all the details at spiritforward.faith. Welcome to the Spirit Forward Podcast, a show dedicated to the teaching, discussion, and demonstration of the work of the Spirit of Jesus. God bless you, and thanks for listening. All right, Ken, we are in this episode of Debating the King James Controversy. So you ready to get into this, man? <laughs> oh, man. That's a different podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, we don't do that. We don't, we don't get into controversial stuff. We just like I'm happy to discuss Bible translations and the Word of God after I've prepped better. No, that's a joke. I, you know, we, we just we really do intend intend on talking about how much we love the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord. And that's what we're doing today. We are talking about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. What it like what an awesome topic that is, right? Yeah, I'm sure it's I'm, I'm sure it'll get us a ton of clicks. Clickbait. How to know the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's true. We would get way more views if we did King James Controversy. But we're uh, we're here to talk about the Spirit. We want to encourage the listener to lean into their best friend, the Comforter, their onboard, indwelling God. And uh, what, a, what a beautiful topic that is. And I know that, Ken, you and I would attest to the great transformation of our hearts um, being primarily a relationship it's not primarily about casting out demons it's not primarily about praying in tongues it's it's about a relationship with god yeah for sure um the holy spirit ministry i think from the cessationist side they see a bunch of people who just want to see signs and wonders and want to mm. ignore jesus and ignore the gospel mm -hmm. and that's not the case at all for for those who are seeking the lord um there certainly are some sign seekers that are um, that are not aware of relationships. So we want to make sure that we are balancing word and spirit. And um, when you pursue the Holy Spirit, uh, he's going to bring you to Jesus. And Jesus is going to reveal the Father. And you're going to have this Trinitarian worship that's going to come. So uh, moving in the Spirit, um, it, it ignites your understanding of the Word of God and uh, increases that. And it reveals... Jesus and a loving father to you. So um, fellowship with the spirit is very important. And obviously we talked about the importance of it two weeks ago or, or two, two episodes ago with the baptism of the spirit. So how do I maintain this relationship, right? I think the idea of the episode today, how do I maintain this relationship with this one who's come upon me and anointed me? How should my walk be different? I already had, in many cases, people have already had established walks with God. Their, their daily devotional times. I know that was the case for me. It was the case for you before this baptism of the Spirit took place. So now what, right? Um, what's going to happen now that the Holy Spirit has come upon me 
And how do I walk this out? Now, certainly there's a honeymoon period of being anointed. Um, I think for Jesus it was rather short. The, from There's not a lot of detail between hmm. um, baptism and uh, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. I mean, just what a beautiful, validating, powerful thing. And then he's driven in the wilderness. The honeymoon ends. Um, but for us, there's usually a season. Those in my church, we've been capturing their testimonies on the Father's House podcast. Uh, they share the season of peace, the season of joy. And then the Lord tenderly says, okay, it's time to pick up that sword of the, of the Spirit, put on that armor, and go to go to battle. So how do I walk out this relationship with this Holy Spirit? Am I going to lose it? That's a fear. Every pastor who sees revival or renewal in his church becomes afraid. Uh, I don't want to lose it. One of our Spirit Forward One alumni from our first conference called me this week, uh, a woman in their church, um, miraculously healed of breast cancer after prayer, scans uh, scans already there to prove it. So they got the medical documentation before and after, Ooh. no treatment, no chemo, uh, double ear infection, a, a chronic back um, uh, issue that was that was diagnosed, and uh, and some other ones as well that were um, you know less measurable by a medical perspective, but very important to the person who received the healing, all in one service. So his phone call was. Uh, hey, bro, revival's broken out in my church. People, we don't even talk about this, you know. People are being healed. How do I keep this going and not lose it? And um, so, right, it's for pastors who feel renewal. It's for the individual who feels the anointing on them of the Holy Spirit. They feel this fresh new relationship. How do I maintain it? And uh, so I think that's, uh, there's some principles I think that we can discuss today that will really help people um, again, not not clickbait, not controversial, but um, super helpful and practical, we pray, for helping people walk out their faith and uh, this new fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, come on, dude. The, in terms of what's popular in the church, what's clickbait in the church, that kind of a thing, um, you'll just never see those numbers in regards to like the personal devotional life and your daily prayer. We've, we've mentioned that before. Like when we do a demon episode, we get more views than when we do a prayer episode. Um, and, and frankly, there's a judgment that you've already mentioned where the cessationists will say the, the charismatic side are looking for signs and wonders and they're living on emotions and they just want to get hyped at the next conference. And, um, and, and, and yet here we are kind of making this position that we want you to walk it out daily. We want you to enjoy the secret place and we want you uh, to walk in this relationship. This morning when I read Second Corinthians, um, the Lord just really highlighted to me that the third chapter is about the new covenant. And, it, and he specifically addresses it as the covenant of the spirit, right? Like he's talking about the, the old covenant, the letter is what he says the letter of the law, the Mosaic covenant, and Moses' face was shining and that kind of a thing. And he says, that's the old covenant, the covenant of the letter, and we have the covenant of the spirit. So what a thing that the new covenant, the new testament is specifically noted as being the testament of the spirit. And if you read Acts 2, Peter's first sermon is about the salvation that we have in the Lord and that coming to Jesus means you get to share in the same spirit. Like he didn't say, confess your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you can go to heaven. He said, confess your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you can have heaven in you. You receive the same spirit that we have. This is a big deal. It is the covenant in which we live is receiving God within you that, that brings about a new heart, 
takes out that stony heart, gives you a heart of flesh, transforms you so that you can hear him and walk in him. And the scriptures uh, come alive because they are the sword of the spirit after all. And, uh, and, and the voice of the Lord directs you and boy, you overflow with the fruit of the spirit and so forth. So here we are in the new covenant of the spirit. And uh, it's not just for Sunday mornings. It's right. not just for revival meetings and conferences. It is for your day and night. Like, holy smokes, you get to go to bed tonight, ask the Lord to speak to you in dreams, and you don't even have to put God on hold when you sleep. He's yeah. with us 24-7. It's, it's the best relationship. It should be significantly better, right? Paul's wording there, how much greater right. should our fellowship with the Lord be in this new era? And many of us, um, if we were brutally honest, would say our prayer lives don't touch what Moses had with Yahweh. And yet Paul's <laughs> promise, right, through inspiration of the scriptures, is that it should it should greatly surpass. Moses should be jealous of your prayer life. Moses should be jealous. And I mean, you know, I'm saying a tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek but right, he's, he's looking at what we have in this era and saying, oh man, if I would have had the Holy Spirit in me like that, um, if I would have had the if I'd have been able to live from this side of Calvary, man, how, how much, oh, yeah. how much better, right? You talk about a more excellent way. So, oh yeah, I think um, that a person who is hungry for the Spirit, they they are confronted with Scripture like that, and then when they begin to see miracles, they begin to see signs and wonders. It's easy to kind of settle and say, yeah, I'm seeing it, and it's easy also to live off of other people's revelation. So your eyes can be open, and I see this in a lot of cases. Their eyes are open to our stories or stories that we're telling from other people. And um, instead of pursuing a, a relationship with the Spirit themselves that would make Moses jealous, again, I'm using that tongue-in-cheek, they they just live in this new era where they, wa they watch their YouTube clips and TikTok clips, and then they're like, man, these stories are awesome. And they just they just go into sharing different stories. When they were cessationists, they shared J-Mac commentary clips. And now that they're a continuationist, they share, um, you know, someone else, some some charismatic leader's uh, um, latest prophetic word. But they themselves, um, they have to move into this fellowship. They have to move into this river of Holy Spirit. And it's not enough to have your eyes open that miracles are happening on earth. We need our eyes open and our lives open to the daily walk with the Spirit. Like you're talking about, dreams is one of those things um, where we lay hold of what God has promised us we can have in this new covenant. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. So Moses would absolutely be jealous of us in, in the sense that he knew the fire, okay? The burning bush on the mountain, the ten, Mount Sinai was on fire. He walked into the fire. The temple has the Shekinah glory fire resting on it. He always had to like go into it, right? And now there's this total reversal. Day of Pentecost proves this. The fire rests on us. You are the temple. You are the dwelling place, the tabernacle. I am Mount Sinai. I am the burning bush. This is awesome. This is yeah. incredible. Of course, he would be totally jealous of that. Yeah. He heard the voice of God. Everyone else heard thunder. And um, he, uh, he had this special um, anointing compared to what the rest of the Israelites had. And a lot of us carry mm -hmm. that over. A lot of church members, they think their pastor is Moses, and they're at the base of the mountain. They don't get it. And, and we want to say, no, everyone gets to, as John Wimber said, everyone gets to play. And everyone gets to come in and hear the voice of the shepherd. Um, it's, it doesn't have to be a voice of thunder. 
it might be thunder to the world because they don't have the uh, they don't have the the relationship, the spirit of adoption. But to those who um, who the Lord has chosen and called uh, to be His sons and daughters, those who have received Him as sons and daughters, um, they uh, uh, they have a portion where they get to hear God's voice. So, um, yeah, this is great. When when um, in in Second Corinthians three here it says. Even to this day when Moses, or the Old Testament, is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And in, in um, Exodus 34, it denotes Moses like turning into the temple, going into the t- temple, and removing that veil. The veil was there for the unbelievers, the hard-hearted ones. He gets to go into the tabernacle, remove the veil, and continue in the glory of the Lord, the esteem of the Lord. And and it's, and then it says to us, if you turn, you can be like Moses. Turn in, remove the veil, come before the Lord. And he says, then the the Lord Yahweh is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of Yahweh is, there is liberty. And for us, for our ministries, we would recognize one of the primary fruits that are just so notable in a Holy Spirit filled ministry is that freedom. Right? We're talking about freedom from sins and addictions and false identities and shame and regret freedom, freedom, freedom. That's the spirit of the Lord. And that's where we get, you talk about testimonies, man. Like living on testimonies is like test. It's the stories of freedom. It's right. the stories of that's what I was doing under the letter. And here's who I am under the spirit. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Freedom from the law of sin and death to live in the, under the law of life and liberty. I think there's a ton there. And I think a great podcast episode will be when we talk about spiritual laws. Um, but Second Corinthians ends with this phrase, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, right? Paul wishes, yeah, wishes everyone fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So there's this uh, common teaching in more conservative theological uh, circles of the church that you can't pray to the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and yet um, yeah. you have this fellowship. And so I think um, it's, it's a very short verse and random verse to build a whole theology on. But it is one verse of many that imply that you can interact with the Holy Spirit. Certainly, the it is it is explicit in Scripture that the Holy Spirit speaks to us, mm-hmm. um, and it seems implicit that we get to talk back and uh, we get to commune and dialogue with uh, the Spirit. So, um, a, a lot of people have said, "Well, Jesus said to pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit." And look, if that's the way you live and you're dedicated to it, come on, you're going to have a beautiful prayer life. But it does seem that um, there's some element of our walk with the Lord that, uh, that we're missing out on if we uh, don't engage in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, who is God, who is a person, who has emotions, right? The, the you know, pneumatology 101, he is a person, he can be grieved, he can be quenched, um, he talks, you can talk back, right? Those are, those are basics that still become stumbling blocks for people who are, um, you know, charisphobia. Uh, they're afraid of, of <laughs> charismatics. <laughs> I coined a word. Um, yeah, it's great. So, yeah, so I think that um, 
we we need to first understand that with the Holy Spirit coming on us, there needs to be an interaction with us between the Spirit and ourselves, listening for his still small voice inside of us and recognizing the ways that he wants to speak to us, whether it's in dreams, which we've done previous episode, episodes on before, whether it's through the still small voice or other ways that he speaks, which we've also done, uh, your message, Last Spirit Forward, and other episodes on the voice of God. It's clear the Spirit is speaking, and uh, we can engage with him. This is great. You know, Ephesians 6 gives us the armor of God, and then a phrase, a little preposition that's um, very common in the New Testament, but it says it ends with praying always in the Spirit. We're praying yeah. always in the Spirit. And I know that there's a bunch of charismatics who would chalk that up to being tongues, you know, and I, I believe um, you Part can of pray it. in English in yeah. the Spirit, right? And you can pray out of the spirit you can pray in tongues in the spirit you can pray in tongues out of the spirit but praying always in the spirit is such a high bar for it you know and paul he, he would tell us if we walk in the spirit let us also keep step with the spirit and so there is a clear uh indication like if we're going to keep step with him that that's another way of saying fellowship right you know if so there's a clear indication that we're supposed to maintain that koinonia with the holy spirit and we thank God for that. So one of the awesome pictures of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is that he is a river, you know? Yeah. Hey, can we and, go back, though, and stop there just for a second? Because we, we yeah. you said praying in the Spirit is more than tongues. So I think there's going to be several listeners who are like, okay, what is it? So, okay, here's your list. We can express sorrow and need in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 8 says we groan in the Spirit. Mark 8 says mm. Jesus sighed in the Spirit. It's Mark 8, 12. We can express joy or hope in the Spirit. When Mary finds out uh, the will of the Lord, she says, how my spirit rejoices in God. Luke 10, 21, when the, when the 70 come back and they tell Jesus, uh, or the 12 come back, that they have been casting out devils, he rejoiced in the spirit. Maybe he prayed in tongues, but I don't think so. Um, we can express godly authority in the spirit. Uh, daughter, arise. Sorry, I got a phone call. Uh, we can express uh, godly authority in the spirit. Talitha Kumai. Uh, daughter, get up. Peter takes that and ch- changes it to Tabitha Kumai, Acts 9. And uh, um, and we can pray in the Spirit by praying in the power of God's name, Yahweh, Adonai, Rabboni, Yeshua, etc. So those are some things um, so we can there's, do. I think, right. I think honestly that if we were to hold this conversation of what it means to talk about being in the Spirit, probably us Westerners have to take a step back. I think we lose a lot of what it means uh, to just consider what is the spirit of a man because you have like Romans 8 that compares the spirit of a man to the spirit of God in the sense of my spirit searches my heart and God's spirit searches his heart. That is not a concept that is very familiar in America or I think of like the conversations in Job where Elihu, the younger friend, um, would say things like the breath of the Almighty gives man uh, knowledge and words. And he says, you know, I'm like a, a, a wine sack that has no vent. I'm about to pop. I need to speak. My spirit is overwhelmed. And maybe like Proverbs 20 that says, and this is weird, the spirit of a man, let me just read Proverbs 20. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord searching all the inner depths of his heart. So I, I would say these are um, probably Mm, these are probably concepts that as a elementary teaching of the inner workings of a man and, and our experience in the world, it, 
you know, if, if we don't have that kind of a context, maybe we're coming short on what the Bible is explaining the spirit of God to be. And so it might encourage us to just kind of step back and realize like somehow the spirit of Josh can have fellowship with Josh, can search Josh and is the lamp of the Lord inside of Josh. And then, uh, and then from there I can sort of begin to realize that when the Bible explains that God has a spirit, it's using this foundational understanding of Josh's spirit to teach about the spirit of God, that there is a spirit that searches the heart of God, and that is God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. So it would probably behoove us to um, consider for a second that maybe we need to stop approaching the topic of the Holy Spirit with a strongly Western context and, and maybe back it up a little bit and just go read the Old Testament for a while and think, what did they think about the spirit of God? So, <clears throat> good segue. Here we are in Ezekiel 47. Yes, one of the best. The river. Yeah, so the uh, prophet Ezekiel sees a river flowing out of the temple of God, and it's a river that he has to measure. And he goes in, it's ankle deep, and it's up to his waist, and then it's just deeper than than uh, than you can imagine. Yeah, overwhelming. And Yeah. And uh, Jesus carries this metaphor over, right? John 7, rivers of living water will flow from your belly or through your belly. And this he said of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. So he talks about this river inside of you. It's flowing from the temple of your heart, right? My Father and I will dwell in you and uh, abide in you. So you have this um, holy place in your heart, the dwelling place of God. And uh, Paul prays, right? The prayer that says that I'm praying that Jesus would come into your heart. You know, um, uh, seems like a big deal. That childlike prayer, dear Jesus, come into my heart, is actually a good prayer. Amen. And uh, <laughs> so, um, despite people saying to stop asking Jesus into your heart, Paul did. So I think we're okay. Um, I think that uh, that there's a, a a metaphor here of of depth of relationship. Right there are there is levels of love that are ankle deep, levels of fellowship that that maybe control. When you're ankle deep in a river, you can move in the river, but when you're deep in the spirit, he moves you. Right, uh, it, it's you're you're uh, you're controlled, you're driven, and so um, I think the that measurement of yieldedness and and holiness is uh, um, is beautiful. That, that, that illustration there. So for us, we're, we're wanting to move deeper in the river. And when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, when we yield to the Holy Spirit, uh, we're letting him take us like the current of a river flowing in the will of God, accomplishing um, uh, God's will for the day, advancing the kingdom. Uh, I think that's the, the beauty of the river metaphor. Yeah, it's, dude, I would say it is strongly Old Testament. It is strongly Hebrew in that sense, because even I think like take Ezekiel 47, that river as it expands, he goes on to note that it like causes lots of trees to flourish on both sides of the river. And so what we find there is the connection to uh, Revelation, uh, what is it, 21, that talks about the river of life coming from God's temple. And there's a great tree of life with 12 fruits for each season on each side of the river. It's, it's like the, it's the same exact vision. And it all harkens back to the Garden of Eden, 
Okay, so when we're talking about like grab your theology from the Old Testament and grab the, the structure of your mind and your, your heart from the Old Testament, like this goes all the way back to Eden. Why do you think Eden was noted for having rivers? And why do you think that Ezekiel 28 uh, describes Eden as the mountain of God? Like the river flows from God's temple. Eden was the original tabernacle, the original temple. So kind of coming full circle to the Moses conversation is I am Eden. Ken is Eden in the earth, like right now. It's uh, the nicest thing we, anybody said to me all day. Yeah, come on, man. You are God's home. This is awesome. And and we recognize, too, that the kingdom of God is it's it's in an already and not yet, right? It, so right now, Ken is Eden, but one day God's going to come back and it's, you know, a yeah. better Eden on the way. And yet... When we, when we get de- described by God, like Isaiah 61, it says that we are trees of righteousness, uh, or Psalm 1, like a tree of life planted by rivers of water. We're being described constantly as God's place of favor and dwelling, and as such, we are not only his place of rest, but we are his mode of nourishing the earth, because that river is supposed to flow outward. It's supposed to make more trees. It's supposed to broaden. And we would, rec- I, I, I personally feel like in Ezekiel 47, that the single little trickle that came out of the temple, it began with Jesus Christ, right? And, the, the, and, and then it began to spread until we are right now in this point, 2000 years removed, we're in a kingdom that is overwhelming. And, and the river is um, deep and wide. And, and so we get this awesome privilege of walking out God's original Edenic plan by the power of the indwelling spirit. Yeah. So one thing that has helped our people is to go with the river metaphor and then look for obstructions in the river. So what keeps the river from flowing in me the way it should? Well, there's these boulders or debris that dam up a river, right? And that keep us from having the the flow, the anointing, the the power of God um, it, going through us, and the relationship, the enjoyment of Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit, our, our love is quenched, our joy, peace, meekness, gentleness, right? It's all quenched or, sub, or subdued or diminished because of these obstructions in the river. So fellowship with the Spirit is keeping this river um, flowing, keeping it free of obstruction. There's the dredging of the river, right? The continual deepening that happens in our world, right? You can take this metaphor and really have a lot of understanding in it. Uh, whoever has near, let him listen, right? And yes. uh, and so, um, yeah. Blessed a lot of, are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Right. A lot of the inner healing ministry that is done, deliverance ministry, is uh, getting these obstructions out, recognizing. So when someone says, hey, there's more, and you get offended, usually that's a sign that there's some unbelief or spiritual pride Yikes. in the river. When um, when you're seeing people all around you worshiping Jesus passionately and you're not feeling it, then there's some uh, obstruction in the river. Uh, when you're lacking patience and you're overly angry and you're struggling with uh, perversion, there's some obstructions in the river. And so a lot of it is removing those boulders, um, uh, in some cases moving those mountains with faith as grain and mustard mm-hmm. seed, so that the river can flow in your spirit by the Holy Spirit and that you can bear great fruit. Um, probably a similar analogy is when Jesus says, 
in the Sermon on the Mount that when you have a beam in your eye and you look at your brother and see the splinter in his eye, that you're supposed to first remove your beam uh, so that you can have proper judgment. And I, I think probably that'd be a similar thing like, dude, if you want to hear more of the Lord, remove the boulders. And the practical means of that is confession, right? Like just uh, speak the secrets of your heart into light, you know, get with your pastor, some elders, some spiritual leaders, uh, get into a prayer room with some intercessors and bring those things to light. And as you bring them to light, uh, the Lord is capable of healing you. He's capable of delivering you and removing those things so that the river can once again flow or flow as it should. So I, I love the metaphor of the river. I also love, um, the ways that the Holy Spirit's described in the New Testament um, as the personality, essentially, or um, just this this deep connection he has. He's called the Spirit of Jesus throughout the New Testament. I think Galatians 4 is the Spirit of his Son. He's called the Spirit of the Father in Matthew 10. And so relationship with the Holy Spirit is continually bringing you to Jesus and revealing the Father to you. And I think that's a critical point. Um, I think that there are vast swaths of the body of Christ that are ignoring any relationship to the Holy Spirit. And I think there's also a massive move of spirit-seeking um, believers who are, are not engaged with the Father. And um, when you're not engaged with the Spirit of the Father, you, um, be, you, you, you can become a lone ranger. You can get away from community. And the Spirit of the Father connects us. He connects us with um, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. He promotes unity. Like a, like a good father would do between two of his children, he would promote unity. So a lot of our disunity is a sign that on maybe a cessationist side, we've lost the Holy Spirit's discernment of who is a child of God and who's not. And on the continuationist side, we have lost the discernment of the of the value of gospel-centered church community, and um, so I think there's I think there's fault going all around the body of Christ for the lack of unity. Sure. I certainly understand that, and I feel like that's where, when you're um, truly walking in the Spirit, um, you you don't have any enemies because you pray and bless the ones that you do have. Um, you you don't have time to accuse or condemn brothers and sisters, because, you know, that's the enemy's work. You don't want to participate in that. And the Spirit wouldn't let you say it anyways. The Spirit of Jesus is the Spirit that says, I only do what my Father in heaven shows me. And if you're only saying and doing what the Father shows you, well, you're not going to have time for disunity. You're going to be walking at a walking answer to Jesus's prayer in John 17. You're going to be obeying the the commands like like that are laid out so clearly in First John that uh, you you have love one for another, and um, so I, I think those are obstructions to the river. If we're going back to the old metaphor, if we're if we if we aren't connected through the Spirit to the Father, if we aren't connected to the through the Spirit to the Son, then um, we we're missing out on who the Holy Spirit is. It's it's like promoting mom in the family and never talking about the fact that her her best friend and her lover is dad <laughs> and you never talk about him. Mm. And uh, so some some people who are emphasizing the ministry of the spirit because it needs to be emphasized because it's been lost, they spend so much time there that um, they, they, they end up talking about this person apart from what makes him 
the person that he is. And what makes the Holy Spirit the person that he is, is the Son and the Father. And so you can't, you can't emphasize the Holy Spirit accurately, according to Scripture, without continually bringing Jesus and the Father back into the conversation. Fellowship with the Spirit, where you, you specifically emphasize knowing him, talking to him, will continually turn the light bulbs on in your mind of, oh man, think about, think about this about Jesus. Oh man, think about this about the Father. It's like the more I talk to the Spirit, the more I'm going to know the Father and know the Son. Yeah, totally. I, that's certainly the pattern that's put forth by the epistles, right, is that these men, um, in their introductions, they, they reference the Trinity, and there, there are commands, like Galatians 4, that says, endeavor to keep the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. And I know that as you journey into the kingdom and you kind of branch out there and get to know the other pastors in your community— there is a reality that the Holy Spirit crowd are the ones that are more prone to get together for prayer and worship, especially maybe not necessarily for preaching and teaching, but they are they are more prone um, to, as they walk in the Spirit to to get together. Whereas the like the more Bible crowd, they don't even get together with the other Bible crowd, you know. And it's it's because when you're locked into that arena of intellect. And it's like you're just checking off the bullet points of your doctrines. You're going to find all sorts of things to disagree with. Um, now, I will say that we're not talking about running willy-nilly into a spirit-filled crowd and saying and, and throwing caution to the wind or having no discernment because we recognize discernment of the spirits is a gift of the spirit. And so we do recognize. And but I think there's a shift. Um, to where at one point in my life, I I would have said, "Let me see your doctrine." to see where I disagree with you um, to now being the point of, let me see the spirit in you. You know, if somebody comes into my life and they're claiming to be an apostle, if they're claiming to be a prophet, if they're claiming to be a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher, I mean, if, if there's ever a claim for any kind of church leadership from a person, I mean, I immediately put on the discernment goggles and it's like, I want to know, you know, is the, is the word of God present in you, not just in your doctrinal statement, but in you and is the Holy Spirit river flowing through you? Because the more time you spend in the river, the more you're capable of recognizing other people in the same stream, you know? And so I, I look to those folks. And I want to know, like, you can, you can tell me you're an apostle and you can tell me you're prophetic and you can kind of spin your, um, your story, but it just becomes one of those things where I want to find out if the Holy Spirit is flowing through you the same as he is me. And it turns out that the Holy Spirit flows through people that generally are not the ones we would expect him to. You know what I mean? Which, by the way, just as a side note, the ministry of the Holy Spirit has brought a lot of life into our ministry in the sense that men in particular, um, in our church, but men who are not capable of getting highly educated, men who are not capable of having like really robust doctrine or, you know, even men late in life who aren't capable of giving decades to studying the word in a moment, you know, the Holy Spirit can come over even those men and they can prophesy. Those men are capable of having dreams and visions. And so the ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is, uh, it makes for equal playing ground. So when you quote Wimber as saying, Everyone gets to play. It's absolutely true. You could be totally illiterate, <laughs> never read a page of scripture in your life, and yet the Holy Spirit can speak through whomever he wants to. Yeah. Think about the ministry of Mary 
uh, anointing Jesus' feet uh, as a remembrance for all time, right? You're going to get to heaven, and, well, and yeah, the, the, the theologians that are quoted so often will be will be set aside so that Jesus can emphasize Mary's anointment, uh, anointing of the ointment. And uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful yeah, thing. It's wonderful. So, okay. Yeah. In understanding a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I think— um, By the way, you know what? In talking about obstructions, Mary would be a great illustration of, you know, getting obstructions out of the way because somebody who had seven devils, hello. Yeah. Those are some obstructions that need to go. And that brings us to seven spirits. Man, these segues, Josh, are just killing it. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah 11 talks about the spirit that will rest on Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. And then it lists these six additional uh, manifestations of that spirit. And I think by itself... If you looked at it, you'd be like, well, there's six, right? It's the Holy Spirit and six. But then you have this unique phraseology that turns up in other places. You've got Revelation 3, 1, 4, 5, 5, 6, um, all talking about the sevenfold spirits um, in, in comparison or, or in explanation of the, the seven uh, lamps. You've got a, a really unique phrase here that echoes back to Isaiah 11. And it's like once you get the spirit upon you, right? We talked about with you, in you, and upon you at the, in the baptism lesson. Once he comes upon you, then there's these next six things. Ephesians 1, you're sealed by the spirit till the day of redemption. But I'm praying for the spirit of wisdom, and the spirit of understanding, the spirit of revelation. Um, Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 1, 3 through 14. He talks about the spirit of might and, uh, and strength. Um, so you actually have these six manifestations of the Holy Spirit or the sevenfold spirit, right? The Holy Spirit anointing and then these six manifestations that are talked about throughout. You can find them in Nehemiah when he's talking about uh, rebuilding the wall. And so for me, as I have leaned into what the scriptures cool. say about the Holy Spirit, I've wanted to look for these things in my life and in the lives of those in our, in our church. Um, and so it's not just spiritual gifts, although spiritual gifts seems to seem to be a manifestation of those six things. A person who exercises the gift of prophecy is walking in understanding and walking in knowledge, right? Which is one of the uh, two of the six there. Um, and this idea of revelation, having your eyes enlightened and opened the spiritual eyes of your heart seeing, it seems to be a, a, a entrance of going deeper in the river and getting a, a new um, step in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit as a person is God, but he's a different person than the Father. And so the way we relate with him is going to be a little different. I'm in one family, and look, every metaphor for the Trinity falls short here, so uh, bear with me. But I'm in, I'm in one family. How I relate with my wife and how I relate with my son are very different. I love them both very deeply, but there's a very different way of relating. And so I think it is logical and biblical to say, hey, let's take some time, as we have been this episode, and talk about relating with the Holy Spirit because he's God. So there's worship, there's obedience, there's majesty that we ascribe to him, just like we would the Father. But he also, as a unique person, um, is explained and, and revealed in Scripture differently than the way the Father is. And uh, so I think that that helps us kind of like for me, it helped me frame it like I'm allowed to explore this relationship with the father because he is he is a person in the Godhead that 
uh, Yahweh wants me to know and relate with. And so for me, then I look at these seven, the sevenfold spirit, um, and I see one spirit um, that has these different manifestations or expressions, and and uh, it certainly there's a mystery there. But I see us uh, able to walk in new aspects of a relationship as we pray and as we engage with Him. You know, so I think that what what you said and what I said goes hand in hand. So I like to look at people and try to see the Holy Spirit in the people. And I think you're also saying that you like to look in the scriptures and see the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, you know. And I think that when the whole, when those obstructions are removed from your heart, when you can get like the spirit of religion, when you can get the judgment and the criticism, when you can get, you know, the, the regret and the shame and the wounds taken care of, and those things are when you're now unobstructed, you're you're in a place where the Holy Spirit becomes your very real friend, uh, your best friend. He's the one that's preparing you to meet Jesus on the wedding day. He's the one who's preparing us, and it's like he becomes a fascination. You know, I kind of want to avoid the word obsession. <laughs> um, Great worship but it's song. Like he becomes. Yeah, he, he really becomes your your love, and it's like I want to, um, I I don't want to approach Christians seeing what what can I disagree with. I want to approach them saying, can I see the Holy Spirit in this person? Now, sometimes, as you're saying, sometimes I phrase that like I want to see Jesus in this person, even to the effect, dude, when when I have run-ins with pastors, I'll cue up one of their sermons and I'll pray, Lord, let me see Jesus in this man, and I'll you know I need to love him. And even though there's conflict, let me see Jesus in this man. Um, or let me see the Holy Spirit. Or let me hear him coming out of his mouth, that kind of a thing. But Or, like, for example, I, I, I just remember reading Revelation and being elated to see the Holy Spirit talking, which kind of is seemingly small. But, like, Revelation 14, for example, is one point. I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. I, I, I just remember being elated thinking how much I loved to read the Holy Spirit speaking. And uh, it just it became real once those obstructions were taken out of the river and, and once he became a reality to me. Um, and then, and then beyond that, when we talk about the river and growing trees and that kind of thing, we're talking about bearing fruit. So this connects directly to the fruit of the spirit, right? And so having an unobstructed heart. So, uh, I would say for the listener who says, boy, I've got an anger problem or I have an issue relating to people, or I, I feel like people misread me, or I just want to see more fr fruit. Um, I, I think that there's a real necessity to, um, to undam the river. I'm not sure that's a word. It's not as good as charisphobia, but <laughs> we need to undam the the river and, so that we can bear fruit. And you don't you don't have to generate fruit, right? You just have to be in fellowship. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's beautiful. Yeah. The um, yeah. the partnership. You know, in my, I was just trying to think, how do I make this even more practical? And maybe it's, maybe it's too, 
as you said, anecdotal earlier, but um, in our ministry in recent days, right, there's been a people coming to Jesus, right? That's the gospel. Some people come to him. They've been born again for years, but they're coming to Jesus because they've, they've not let the power of the gospel saturate their lives. And then after they come to him, they say, okay, I want the spirit that he promised. And then now they're relating with the Lord in these two different persons. They're relating with the Lord, um, the Lord Jesus, who is worthy, and, and, and they're, they're praising him and worshiping him. But then they're also relating with this partner, this, this voice, this uh, person that lives inside of them. And um, they're depending on the Spirit to reveal Jesus to them. So it's interesting that, that they didn't even know the Spirit was drawing them to Jesus. But then once they do and, and Jesus it becomes their Lord, then he turns around and says, now I want to reveal the Spirit more to you. And now there's this beautiful interaction of um, depending on the Holy Spirit to show me Jesus in my life. And then depending on Jesus to show me the Father. And that's just something mm. that I think is really beautiful. It may be very boring and dry to, to certain people in different seasons of life. But for me in this season, I've seen light bulbs come on with our with our people where they're being healed of father wounds because of the things they're seeing Jesus reveal about Abba Father. And none of that's going to happen except for the Holy Spirit's ministry, which is present. It's, it's one of those things that it's always there and, and I love pointing it out. And people go, oh, man, you're right. The Holy Spirit is at work. Um, and I think maybe yeah. one of the jobs of a, of a pastor is just point out God in the church. Right? The Holy <laughs> Spirit great. the Holy Spirit yes. did that. Jesus is over there. And this is the Father right now. He's doing that. And uh, that's not what the Father would promote. You know, you're, you're continually pointing God out in the church. And in life, that's so awesome, dude. Uh, yesterday, there were, we there were, we had a prayer room yesterday, and I I quoted a scripture, and the person said, "Whoa, I just read that in my devotions this morning." It's like, hallelujah, that was the Holy Spirit, right? And one of the most life giving things is to point point out when a Christian is in the stream, you know, for them to think. Because there's this longing. I think probably most Christians would long to prophesy. We would long to be spirit-filled. Uh, that's a good longing to have. And so as the pastors, when you can point out to somebody, you know, or last night I got a phone call and, and this person's not a church member and they called because there was some demon stuff going on in their life. And I said, why did you call me? And they said, I don't know. I said, well, I think that was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Really? You know, it's like, yes, you're following the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Yeah. I remember talking you know? to a pastor about prophecy and he's like, I don't, I don't believe in prophecy. And then 15 minutes later, he yeah. was admitting that he prophesied in multiple sermons. He was, oh yeah, I remember I right. did this this one time. And the person came up to me afterwards, like, how did you know, pastor? And it was like, my job in that time, that conversation was just to help a guy who loves Jesus, who wins souls to Christ like crazy, to help him see the Holy Spirit working in his life. And he's just been blinded from it. So, um, what, what a treasure, mm -hmm. what a privilege it is to just say, Hey, God's all over. Watch it. Look, look, look for this, look for yeah. that. And you can see him. Yes. And, and to, and to inform people like you're actually in that stream. And what I believe is the Holy spirit will fill whatever space we give him. Right. And so, you know, if you're a pastor who gives yourself to the scriptures and every single week you're, you're seeking a, a gift of teaching and every single week you want to see fresh revelation of the word, like, yes, he's going to fill that. And he fills your sermons. And that's probably why pastors like the guy you just mentioned, they do prophesy while they preach, you know, with a spontaneous prophetic word. 
the Holy Spirit is filling that pulpit time. And uh, I, I guess probably what we usually contend for on this show is give him more space to fill, right? Give him a prayer meeting and take your hands off of it and let him fill it. And, and then, and then give him all the spaces of your heart. He's going to fill every space of your heart. And, and, and if there's a space that you, you know, if there's a, if there's a portion of your life that you're really fond of and you think, you know, God seems to be very present in this part of my life, but over in this part of my life, I have this like secret sin, you know, okay, well then we need to give that part of your heart to the Lord because there's an obstruction there. So he will fill whatever space we give him and that, that river will flow through whatever we make available through our confession and our, our obedience. And so we would say, yeah, let's sit down and, and, and get the stuff out, start confessing to one another that you may be healed and so forth. And let the spirit flow through every area of your heart, every area of your family, every area of your church. Hallelujah. Well, All right. Well, I guess we got to cut it off at some point, right? Come on. Yeah. Uh, hey, pray, pray for our people. Hallelujah. Let's go. Wouldn't it be awesome if uh, just somebody was listening to a podcast and they got wrecked by the Holy Spirit? Come on, Lord. Father in heaven, uh, we do love you, and we are so immensely grateful to be in the new covenant, the covenant of your spirit. And uh, my God, I know that the vast majority of our listeners are your children, and um, it's, it's okay, Lord, if we all have varying understandings of you and your spirit, and I know we're not all going to agree on how we define your Holy Spirit, um, but man, I love your Holy Spirit, oh God. And uh, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would send your spirit of wisdom and revelation onto our listeners in such a way that you would fill them afresh, that they would be touched by heaven. Lord, may they receive the fresh word from heaven because Jesus says, your words that you speak into us, they are spirit and they are life. And Lord, there is nothing as life-giving as your spirit and the words spoken by your spirit. And I pray for that revelatory work in lives today, God, that maybe you would open their eyes of their heart, that they would understand the magnitude of God's love, all the dimensions of Jesus Christ, and the riches of our inheritance in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I ask that you would come over the listeners today, that you would stir up and stoke the fire that is within their heart, and may the fire of the Holy Spirit burn off the dams in the heart that are preventing the river from flowing. I pray that the spirit of Jesus would radically transform your children in this earth so that we might become the trees of righteousness that you desire us to be. And uh, Lord, thank you for inviting us into this overwhelming river. And uh, I pray that there'd be fresh healing of body, soul, and spirit today by the river of the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Fire on the water, come on! Thanks for listening, y'all. Yeah, let's go. Have a great week. Fire and water. <laughs> All right. All right, bless you. Thank you for listening. And we will see you at the Spirit Forward Conference this September or in the next episode. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more resources, please visit spiritforward.faith. And until next time, may God bless you in Jesus' mighty name. <laughs>